All right, grab a Bible. Uh, you're going to need it. I um, say that every week because, for one, you will always need it. That's never, ever going to change. You'll always need it. But in particular here, uh, a lot will be on the screen <clears throat> some weeks, and some weeks maybe nothing on the screen. But there will always be content that I go over that's not on the screen. And the reason why is because I want you to have a Bible in your hand, whether it's on your phone or in your hand. If you need one, there's tons back there. There's sheets back there if you want to take notes on anything. But <clears throat> the point is that when you leave out of here, you're leaving out of here with God's word, not Dave's word. So I, I hope that you feel like, man, I want to look at that again, or let me see that again, or what What did he say? I don't want you to worry about what I said. What did he say? You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> need a Bible. Turn to Luke. It's towards the back. It's the third book in the New Testament. Um, so you can kind of hunt that way. In my Bible, it's about right there. Um, a little side note, by the way, if you didn't know, it's Hanukkah started this week for the Jewish people. That is a celebration of eight days where the um, menorah stayed lit in the temple miraculously without oil for eight days. There's a whole story there. You can Google it and look it up. They celebrate it. But they've been doing that since 168 B.C. So it's likely that Jesus may even have used that in his time as an illustration that he was the light in the temple. So uh, keep that in mind. Anyway, we were talking about worship, as she said already, as Deidre mentioned, um, looking at what it means to worship. Uh, we're not defining the word worship. We're like analyzing how we do it. Like, what does it mean for you to worship? Like, what does that look like for you to do it? And like I said, through Christmas, we're going to focus a little different. We're still going to do worship. We're going to focus on how Mary did it. And as Deidre said in her prayer a moment ago, like how that might move us to worship as well. So, uh, title today, Magnificent. Some of you may know what that, may be familiar with that. Some of you may not. We'll talk about it in a minute, so don't get worried about it too much. Uh, I was thinking last week, and I could do it again now, because I believe the same people are here for the most part. But I was thinking last week about the different languages in this church, uh, even in the building the different first languages even, Spanish, German, French, obviously English for me, and being from the South, that we could call that something else really too, but, but, but just the different first languages. There's a lot of languages in this room. I've been trying to learn Spanish. I've committed that I'm going to. I've been doing it very slowly and patiently, um, but I'm not giving up on it until I get it. I might be 80 before it's done, but I'm going to learn the language. So, uh, but it's tough. And I remember, I've traveled a lot, I remember being in Senegal in West Africa once, and we had this group of guys from all over the place that were kind of smuggled in there, um, pastors in countries where it's illegal to be pastors, that had kind of smuggled themselves in for this little weekend of worship in Senegal. And it was, it's legal in Senegal, but it's also frowned upon, and so we were cautiously doing it. But uh, I remember meeting these guys and beginning to talk and try to anyway. But there were so many different languages. And I had one friend with me who also spoke Spanish a little bit. 
And so at one point, and I'll never forget this moment, but at one point we're standing in this courtyard, me and this handful of guys, and we realize that I did, did prison ministry uh, most of my life, so we realize that there's another couple of guys here that do, did prison ministry. And I forget how that came out, but we were trying to talk to them. But they spoke Arabic. So we realized somehow, I don't even know how God did this, but in this little circle, we realized that I could say it in English to my friend. My friend could say it in Spanish to these guys who were from Morocco that knew Spanish but also knew French. And they could take it from French and say it in Arabic. And then they heard it. And then it would come all the way back around again. It was the wildest thing. But what made it really cool is is it was laced with Scripture. Like, Because that's just what we were talking about, like how cool God is. And, and, and it was funny because when you start to say a Scripture, even in English, Everybody would like not like even though it was English, they still got they knew you were quoting scripture to some degree. And I wonder and I thought then in that moment, what if in heaven scripture is the only language spoken? How, how much would you be talking? You know, what if the only language spoken was how much would you how much would you be talking if the only language you could use was scripture? Well, Mary was fluent in scripture as a teenager. And you'll see that today as we look at this. So go to Luke chapter one and let's get the background. Many of you probably are familiar with this story just from Christmas. Uh, I'm not picking this apart, but let's get the context. So I'm going to read a chunk here. It will not be on the board. So you need your Bible. Luke chapter one. Verse 26, it says, just going to read quick uh, to get to where we're landing the plane here. But in the sixth month, very specific point in time, key to know, like there's, this is not a random event. There was a defined point when this happened. The angel Gabriel sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a woman betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And a virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him, give to him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how's this going to be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And that's just a great statement in and of itself, isn't it? Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Another amazing statement. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 39, in those days, Mary arose, same time period, and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, You may have heard this before, but I always think about when I read that. The first person to celebrate Jesus was an unborn child. You can lay that at your feet. 
I just said it. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her. From the Lord. Okay, that leads Mary, all of that leads Mary to this moment of overwhelming worship. Now, does she just bust into song here? How this exactly goes down, I don't know. We're not, we're not giving every, like, was she smiling? Was she frowning? Was she bright eyed? Was she not? That, that, none of that matters. The point is that this moment moves her to these words that she says, which become a poem or a song. Maybe the family recorded it or wrote it down. It's become famously known as the Magnificent, and it was read earlier, but let me read it again. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in my Savior, for he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So let's look at why this has become famous, and then we'll break it apart a little bit. Uh, we won't spend all day on it. We'll break it apart a little bit, but how this leads us to worship as well. So Magnificat is what it's called. That's because the opening word is Latin. In the Latin translation, the opening word uh, is that word. It's literally magnif- Magnificat Inima Mea Dominum. Dominum. I don't know, I don't speak Latin well, so I'm giving it to you. I got a little Hebrew, I got a little Greek, and I got some other languages, but Latin, see, it's hard to say these words, but Latin I don't have. But that's what it is. Basically, in a, in a, in a word for word, it's saying, magnify soul, my Lord, in a word for word. So that first word, magnify, is where that comes from. The first complete translation of the Bible, other than Greek or Hebrew, was uh, by a man named Jerome a priest in the church, a man named Jerome, who wrote it around 400 A.D. and is still used in Roman Catholic uh, ceremonies today pretty regularly. Um, And they base that largely on this chapter and these words, and they consider uh, them as well as others, Mary as above all. Uh, Mary is in this elevated place, but Mary magnifies God here. This is not magnifying Mary. This is magnifying God. And some claim, and, and I'm using this opportunity because we're in here, so we're going to speak some truth today. You're gonna be, you can go back and wrestle with the word if you don't like it with me. Uh, but we're going to speak some truth here. Some claim Mary was immaculate or sinless. One verse right here messes that up out of her own mouth. Look what she says there. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in who? God who? My Savior. Sinless person needs no Savior. You know, my Savior. And as long as we're honest, some claim that Mary was perpetual virgin. I'll give you a verse for that. Matthew 13, verse 55. It says, is not this the carpenter's son? This crowd in Nazareth that sees Jesus is not this is not his mother called Mary. Look at this. Are not his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, and are not all his sisters with us? 
Where did this man get these things? It's because of her and her family and her children that they're having a hard time understanding how this one is the son of God. Uh, there's also a common idea that Mary's exalted above all so-called saints, uh, even to the point that you can blaspheme her a little bit. Um, but the Bible and even Christ says things otherwise. In Luke chapter 8, verse 19, his mother and his brothers come to him, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd that's around him in this house. And he was told, you know, Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus used a slightly different language in referring to his wife, his mom, not his wife, to his mom. Uh, than worship. And worshiping Mary, praying to Mary, making it, it, it ultimately makes her an idol. And it, it, in the end of the day, that's what it does. You're offering something to some, someone other than Christ. And here in this song, what is she doing? She herself is worshiping God. She's praying to no one else. She's not offering it to someone to take it to him. She's going straight to him with her words. Even angels who are entirely sinless in the presence of God 24-7 made sure that they weren't worshipped in any way. I give you a couple of verses, both from Revelation, but there are more in the Old Testament. But these two, Revelation 19.10 says, Then I, John, fell down at his, this angel's feet, to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. Stop it. Like that's powerful language right there. That's what the exclamation says. Stop, dude. Stop. Stop. Like he is he is almost angry about stop. I'm a fellow servant with this angel. I'm a fellow servant. Servant with you. I'm I'm equal with you as below God. He alone is worthy of worship. I am a servant like you and your brothers and the rest of you. Not just you. Oh, you're chosen and I'm chosen, but we're below. No, no, no. You and all of your brothers. Like I'm a servant just like equal to all of you below God who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Revelation 22. John's a hard learner in verse 8. I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, stop. You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Even Peter, father of the uh, Catholic Church in a lot of ways. And I'm not just firing bullets at the Catholic Church. I'm just teaching the word here for a moment because we're in this with Mary. All right. So you need to know what the word says. Even Peter, who is the father of the Roman Catholic Church, for sure, and the popehood or popes or however you make that plural. Uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse 25, Peter enters the house of Cornelius, a Roman soldier, and met him. And fell down at his, the guy falls down at his feet to worship Peter, and Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am a man, or modern day English, I'm just a man. There's nothing special about me. Get up. I'm, I'm just a man. Christ is what's special. 
consider the Hail Mary in light of how Mary is praying. So we just read how Mary's praying. You look at her language in there and then consider most of you know it, whether you raise in Catholicism or not, you know it. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the, and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Jesus and Lord is a byproduct in that. It's all aimed at, at Mary. Is it right to pray to Mary? Is it, is it beneficial to pray to Mary? Does Mary hear you if you pray to Mary? You know, we can talk about it all day, but I I, want to know what does this say? What does this say? Because otherwise it's your opinion and my opinion or what your daddy told you and what my daddy told me. But I want to know what does this say? What did this father say? Uh, Hebrews 9, 24, Christ, Jesus, has entered not into holy places made with man, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. What does this say? On our behalf on our behalf Hebrews 7:24 says but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever consequently he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him who can he save those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to what Make intercession for them. That means he's the one who intercedes between you and God. Him. Him. The only one. It's only him. And even if there were, let me ask you this. And let's just assume for a second there was another. Why bother? If you can go straight to the son of God himself. If you can go straight to the throne. That's what he says. Come boldly to the throne. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you we can go straight down the list if you could do that why i don't care if there were other options why in the world would you choose those i would never choose those in a million years if i can go straight to my brother right here why would i start back there that doesn't even make any sense i don't care how many people are in the room he's right here you know but the truth is no there is one who makes intercession and he's able to do that because he went to a cross for it nobody else did that he went to a cross for it. Even Jesus said, pray like this. Our what? Father who art in heaven. Yeah, that's right. Um, nowhere in scripture does it say anything about praying to anybody but directly to him. You never see it happen. It never happens. The closest it comes is angels. And you have read what happened when that happens. Um, but this is a Good example, when you take a verse, verse 42, we already read it, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb, and you kind of attach stuff to it that sounds good, but it's not scriptural, and you invent a religion that's not biblical necessarily. Parts of it are, parts of it's not. Uh, let me pause that for two seconds and say this. I promise, I know it sounds like I come hard at Catholicism right at the moment. Uh, I got some great friends that are Catholic. There's many people in this room that have been raised Catholic. Uh, I have friends that I know know Jesus and follow the Lord, but like the traditions of the Catholic Church and they're part of it. So there's no part of me that's attacking anything. All I'm doing is telling you what this says right here. And if it's a struggle for you, awesome. Go home and read more of it. Dig in. Ask questions. Questions are great. Call me wrong. I want you to. 
man, Dave don't know what he's talking about. You're right. Go get this. See what it says. It's okay. Come show me where I made a mistake in here if you see it. I want to know. We'll sit down and we'll talk about it. But I can tell you this right now. Mary's song is all day biblical. Like this woman knew the word. I mean, she's not, she is not word for word here, but she is laying into scripture in a powerful way. Every phrase has these rich connections to the Old Testament and it shows something about who Mary was and what she valued even as a teenager. It also shows you a lot about her parents who would have instilled it in her, but they're not even mentioned. You don't even know who they were really. Her grandparents, she's probably a great grandmother. Don't know anything about her either. We don't know. It's not about them ultimately. But much of this resembles Hannah's song of praise back in 1 Samuel chapter 2. You can go read it in your own time. You don't have to read it now if you don't know the story of Hannah. But she dedicated her son, who was a miracle birth, named Samuel. His name was Samuel. And Mary reflects a lot of Hannah's song of praise here. So I'm not going to read them all, but I'm, I'm going to give you a handful of verses here so you can see what I'm talking about. So if you're still looking at Luke chapter 1, verse 46... Watch this, and just in light, there's so many verses, but I'm just going to give you a few, and we'll go through them. They'll be up here. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Man, I love that statement. My soul, can, can you say that? I mean, honestly, do you feel like your soul makes God easier to see? Like magnifies him so that people see him big, you know? My soul magnifies the Lord. First Samuel 2, 1 Samuel 2.1, Hannah's prayer. is She prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. Same language. Psalm 69, verse 30. The psalmist wrote, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Same language that Mary's using. Probably had those verses in her mind. Verse 47 of Luke chapter 1. Mary says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Psalm 35, 9. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord. Exalting his salvation. Isaiah 61.10. I'll greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He, uh, Habakkuk 3.18 says. Yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. It's, I mean you think she knows the word? Man. Luke 1 again verse 48. She says. For he has looked on my humble estate of, a ser- of his servant. Psalm 138, 6 says, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. Thank you, Jesus, for that verse. I'm not even kidding you. Thank you. Verse, or 1 Samuel 1, 11 says, and she, back to Hannah again, Hannah vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Mary is poor. We know that for a number of reasons. Um, yeah, I won't go into all that now, but she's financially poor, poor home. She is socially poor because she's from Nazareth and people look down on Nazareth. In fact, Jesus is told later on what good can come from Nazareth or, well, not Jesus, but the, the uh, wise men as they're trying to say, well, this is coming from Nazareth, whatever, what good can come from Nazareth. Um, Yet, rather than expecting to be exalted by others here, Mary found herself in awe that God would look on her humble estate. She didn't even position herself as a saint here. She called herself a servant. 
I mean, she, she made no effort to elevate herself. In fact, she did the opposite. She said, how can you so holy come here and then come here to me? You know who I am, but I serve you already. Whether you come or not, I serve you. I'm already your Already your servant. Paul does the same thing. He calls the young, poor, and suffering churches saints. Look at the way he intros any of his letters. I'll give you one, for instance, uh, Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul and Ter- Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints who are in Christ at Philippi. He calls the church saints. He calls himself, not Saint Paul, servant Paul. Servant Paul. And the church That he also, many of these churches he wrote letters to telling them, y'all are messed up. But he still called them saints. Still called them saints. Hannah, though, Hannah was barren. You know what I mean? She was barren, but God gave her a son, Samuel. And he, Samuel, would anoint Saul, Israel's first king. And then David as well, after him. And David became the lineage for all kings of Israel that would follow. And here, Mary is being called back to the words of Hannah. Maybe Hannah was her favorite Bible character. You know what I mean? Like for real. Hannah would have lived years, centuries before her. She knew the scriptures, obviously. Maybe Hannah was Mary's favorite Bible character. I don't know. But Mary's celebrating like Hannah did. For Mary, it's not barrenness, it's virginity. Equally impossible. Maybe more so. You know what I'm saying? It's virginity. And her son won't anoint a king. He is king. He is king after the same lineage of David. And Jesus extends the same kind of promise to all the meek and lowly of the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. James 2, 5, I love this verse. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. Back in verse 49, Luke 1. He who is mighty, Mary says, has done great things for me and holy is his name. Psalm 126, 3. The Lord has done great things for us. We're glad. We could go straight down the list over and over and over. Mary recognizes that forevermore, yes, people are going to call her blessed. She mentioned it already. But she says, Why? She says, why? Because God chose her to be the mother of Messiah. It's not about her. It's about the Messiah. It's not about mom. It's about the child. And she says in her own words, look what she says in her own words. God did this to me in verse 49. God did this to me. And holy is his name. You know what holy means? Set apart. No equal. Nobody standing near. Universe different. Holy and set apart is he. He did this to me. I didn't earn anything. I didn't stand out. I didn't do any of that. I'm a servant. He did this to me. I'm telling you, if you've ever been saved by grace in this room, you could say the same thing. I straight promise you. Mary wasn't above anybody else. She's aware of the power of grace. To look upon those like her that are in a low estate. She never becomes wealthy. She never becomes powerful. She never becomes a queen. She never 
becomes honored in her lifetime anyway. But because of God's grace, because of God's favor, because of God's kindness, because of God's forgiveness, because of God's sovereignty, because of God's power, and according to God's plan, yes, she's blessed. Verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Psalm 103, 17, but the steadfast love or grace, mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. His grace is eternal. I'll tell you how I know that. Because if he gave me his grace... In the filthy, disgusting, drug-induced state that I once was in. If he would come give it to me then, what am I going to do that he would take it? I didn't earn it in the first place. Of Of course it's forever. But there's a qualification. It's on those who fear him. Then just dump it on everybody. It's available. But you can spit at that and walk away if you feel like it. It's up to you. So what does it say about Mary? About true worship? Because that's what we're talking about. Well, it reveals that Mary's heart and mind were saturated with God's word. Just full of it. You know what I mean? Like even her own expressions were just repeating God's word back out. God's grace has carried this promise, as it said there, from generation to generation to give it to Mary. We talked about this going through the whole word from cover to cover for the past two years, really. But you, you had a promise to Eve of a son that would, that would bring forgiveness, that would right wrong, that would defeat the devil and the works of sin in, in causing death in mankind. Very first woman. And that promise carried on i'm not breaking it all the way down you can read it but we can look at a handful of them we come to sarah abraham's wife who was barren and old and miraculously had a kid to keep that promise alive you could go to her daughter or her daughter-in-law uh rebecca also barren but to keep the promise alive god gave her two children you could go to her daughter-in-law rachel also barren But God opened her womb and gave her children, one of which would become the king of Israel. And you can continue to follow it down through the others, through Hannah, as I already mentioned, who was barren. But God gave her a child who would become a priest and a prophet and anoint David as king of Israel in the line of this Messiah. And you can go on and on and on from generation to generation to generation onward and onward and onward. God providing miracle children. We could say to lowly women until now he provides himself. The king of kings, the Messiah to a virgin of lowly estate. All of these were blessed among women. All of them were. The story's not about Mary or these previous women. The story is about him. It's about the one that was promised. From generation to generation to generation to generation. It's about him. It's about the one that was that was promised. 
How amazing and full of grace is God that he uses those kind of people in his plan and then tells us about it. It's not a rumor. He tells you, man, thank you, Lord. And guess what? That mercy and grace carries on from generation to generation to generation to generation. And 2,000 years later, this busted up man, a lowly estate, standing in front of you now, fully aware of who Jesus is fully aware that I am blessed among men. Know what I mean? So what what do we do with this? Well, too often, and I'm guilty of it too, sometimes we look for these testimonies of of people who have been through it all. Who've been through the worst and the roughest and they, and they get up and they tell these testimonies about all of the horrible things they've done. And you got a 30 minute testimony about the terrors and the horrors and how bad they were so that we're all really impressed at how awful that they really were. And then in the last closing few minutes, they, 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 they toss in this part about how God changed them completely and that they live for Jesus now. And we all cheer for it and we're all, we all celebrate. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But I'm saying, shouldn't the weight be on the other side of the story? Shouldn't the celebration be on the side of, oh my gosh, let me tell you about Jesus, man. I don't need to tell you about what I did. Who cares? I was off. I was trash. We're done with that. Let me tell you about Jesus, man. Because it ain't about me. It ain't about how bad I was and how good I am now, is it? Because what's up? That's still about me. It it was about me, but now it's about him. So if it's about him now, let's talk less about me and let's talk all about him. Like, let me tell you what all he's done. Let me tell you all the things he's done. And if you want to know what I got to say, I'd say what Mary said. So Luke one thirty eight. Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's all it is, man. Every day. You could get up and say that every day. I'm the servant of the Lord. Today, let it be to me according to your word, Lord. Every day. Like it's that simple. I don't care how bad you were. I don't care how bad I was. Is there somebody worse? Surely. Do we need to get to the worst of the worst? Who cares? I know the best of the best. You know what I'm saying? I, that's all that matters. Like I know who he is. And if you're a believer, I'm going to leave you with this. If you're a believer, listen, if you've already given your life to Christ, I, I want to ask you this. Can you think of things in your life right now? Things in your life right now that are way different because of him. Things that have directly changed in your life because of your faith in Jesus alone. And if you belong to Christ, you, that ought to be that ought to be right off right off your tongue. There ought to be one, two, three, something for sure that comes to mind that you that you could say, "Yeah, man, this is entirely different now because of my faith in Christ." Now, here's what. We don't often do, and this is my challenge to you. Figure out how to connect his word to that. Whatever that is that you're thinking of that you've changed, or that he's changed, I'm sorry, or that you celebrate now because of what he did in your life, or anything that you connect to your life being different because of him, why don't you see if you can find some scripture to support that, to back that up. What if you could tell your testimony the way Mary just did? Just lacing it with scripture. Not preaching it, folk. Not preaching it, folk. You're celebrating him like you're worshiping him. People don't feel like they're being preached at. People feel like they're being closer. That's what magnify him means through you sharing your testimony.
But if it's only about you, then they got nothing to take away except, man, God, God changed that man completely. But if you can give them the word, think how much time we just spent on Mary. We barely even picked that apart. That's a testimony, right? Stand up with me. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to come back and sing one more song. Um, and let's just take a few minutes, man, and let's focus back on this, okay? Close your eyes with me, and um, we always take a few minutes to pause and to rethink on this, and, and, and I want to continue to do that. I want you to take a second, and, and not to be wild or funny, but just, man, process. You know, we, we shift in, all the sermon's over, everybody's standing up, and we're going to sing again. I know, but let's just take a minute and process it. It's his word. Ask him to write it on your heart. You got questions? Awesome. Write them down. Take them to him. Take them to his word. Come to me. Come to other brothers you know are faithful or sisters you know know the word. Man, come get them and let's talk about it. But don't just walk out of here like, man, that was awesome. Mary was great, blah, blah, whatever. Or that was terrible or you slept or whatever. Don't, don't, I don't care. Don't walk out of here like that. Well, take a minute. Think about his word. Can you say, I am your servant. Let it be done to me according to your word. Can you say that to him? Be careful now because his word says some wild stuff now. There is no following Jesus that doesn't cost. None. The more you magnify him, the more it's going to cost. But it is so worth it. If you don't know him today, man, it starts right there. If you don't know him today, it starts right there. You say, Jesus, I am your servant. You got to know who you are. A failure, a sinner, you've got to recognize who you are. You've got to accept the fact that though I've tried every way I know, I'm, 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 I'm done. And then you lay it at his feet and he will change your life. He takes that sin on himself and he clothes you in his righteousness, his word says. And then he nails that sin on a cross on his own body, takes it to a grave and leaves it there. And the fact that he defeated that grave was not just a flex, not just a show off. That was him. Conquering something you have no ability to conquer. To make it available to you. To those who fear him for generations and generations and generations. That's grace. I pray you accept that today. Lord, we love you. You're awesome and amazing. God, we pray that throughout the rest of our time here today, once again, you know you are worthy of our worship because of the way we give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.